my interest initially, like elementary school, some falconers, I don't know who, came to our elementary school. I was probably in third grade. Don't recall a whole lot of the little assembly they did, but they flew a red tail from the back of the auditorium up over everybody's head onto the stage, and I thought, I've got to do that. Always had a fascination with birds of prey. Um, always sat and watched them hunt, and um, always said from a little kid I was going to have one one day. And a lot of people were like, for a pet? And I'm like, no, to hunt with. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back for another episode of the Falconry Told Podcast, brought to you in part by the fine folks at Marshall Radio Telemetry, the makers of the most carefully engineered and reliable tracking systems available. For more information on Marshall Radio, head to marshallradio.com, and also in part by the Falconry Fund. The Falconry Fund is a nonprofit organization dedicated to support and protect the various arts and practices of falconry and the cultural and environmental assets that make it possible. For more information on the Falconry Fund, head to falconryfund.org. And this week, I got a chance to go and hang out on some off days with uh, Brad and Kelly Smoot. I had known them for, I don't know, probably about a few years or so at least on, uh, you know, different Facebook groups, you know, just mutual friends and stuff like that. Um, I've talked to them several times over the years and and also gotten some uh, of their gear they they used to make and it was uh it was cool catching up with them and meeting them for the first time doing some trapping seeing some birds fly and uh as you'll hear through the podcast uh you know they've got quite a few uh animals and stuff in their in their house uh you know hearing some uh some birds talking and some uh and some dogs barking and whining uh through, <laughs> throughout the the podcast uh i'm sure a lot of uh you fellow falconers will uh, kind of feel at home um, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was definitely a, a, a cool time. So I will just go ahead and, uh, jump in, uh, to the conversation that I had with, uh, with Brad and Kelly, and I hope you guys, uh, have fun and, uh, get something out of it. So anyway, um, here we go. All right. Three, two, one. Here we go with, uh, Brad and Kelly Smoot in Idaho with Brad playing on his phone, trying his best not to fidget and, uh, yeah, so it's uh, it's been a good time so far. We've been uh, been out here just kind of hanging out the past few days, doing some uh, some random trapping and flying some birds and seeing what's up. So, what have you all been up to lately? Having a terrible falconry season. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been difficult. I'm trying to fly two brown birds and a hybrid who kind of knows what he's doing, and. Uh, game's been a little bit rough this year so it's been kind of tough yeah yeah well so as far as the two brown birds that you guys have been doing you you originally wanted to do those in a cast right yeah that lasted about two months (laughs) yeah yeah and uh why did that last two months exactly (laughs) well my tearsol um started attacking the female and she started to become aggressive and anytime you'd approach her she knew the tearsol was going to come in and so she started flying off and probably could have worked through some of the issues but um, the reality is is hawking with the the cast and a one and a half year old child um, considering she needs a little bit of attention and uh, some babysitting out in the field just was like a little too much for for me to handle so yeah I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, you guys. Um, 
you guys have a few things going on around here. I mean, <laughs> just you, a little. Yeah, just just a little. Guys decided to you know to have a a new kiddo. You guys have like twenty dogs running around, <laughs> almost as many birds. <laughs> you know, got uh, you know you who is <laughs> the what's your CNO correct? Yes. Yeah, Local hospital, small hospital here in Arco, yeah. middle of nowhere. Um, so, I uh, decided about ten years ago that uh, I was in construction management. Decided that wasn't very conducive with flying long wings, and I uh, went back to nursing school, got a degree, and now I'm in. I got a degree to get out of management. Now I'm right back in management. <laughs> And how, I can't remember how long did you say you've been in nursing? Total, oh, total years now? Since about 10 years. I yeah. mean, it's eight and a half, nine years, I guess. Yeah, yeah. You've been having about as much fun as me this year and most of the other healthcare people I know. Well, the few conversations that we've had lately sounds about right anyway. It's so. either crazy busy for people or not at all. Right. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully it stays more towards the, uh, you know, the latter for you anyway but uh but yeah no i mean it's um i, I think it's funny that you know like <laughs> you you mentioned it's like yeah it's you know it's a little too busy for flying long wings and all the stuff that you have going on now and somehow that's not too busy to fly long wings <laughs> how did how does this lifestyle how is this li lifestyle more conducive to you flying long wings than it was before whenever you were doing your previous stuff? Well, in construction management, I had to work and be in an area that was, you know, a big enough area to support that type of job. Um, I was lucky enough to eventually get to Idaho Falls area, um, and I did okay there, but it was still trying to get out in the evening after work three or four days a week was tough. So, um, you know, it eventually led me to look into nursing. I had a couple of younger brothers that are nursing, and I'm going, you work six days on, eight days off, and you work nights so you can do stuff during the day too, and you can make good money? Maybe that is for me. So that's what led me to it. Um, and I didn't want to be in management. I was tired of it. Uh, but... I guess management jobs find me, so uh, I do love it here. I got great staff. It's it, it has been fun, but um, you know, I wouldn't do this position at a bigger hospital by any means. It's tough. Yeah. So no, the bigger hospitals right now they're they're nuts, man. I mean, it's ridiculous. There's no, there's really no breather time right now in a lot of the bigger places, and even some of the like the mid-sized places. It's when we were talking about that the other day. It's 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 really overwhelming at the moment and um no matter what your viewpoints are on everything the bottom line is is regardless of what the circumstances are it's <laughs> life basically and the circumstances are forcing you know hell on earth for for healthcare workers no matter where you're at it seems so. and it is and it's going to change every day is the bad part like yep you get a memo it goes out uh, that afternoon that memo is thrown out and there's yep. something else in its place i think that's the roughest thing for everybody that's working healthcare right now mm -hmm. is the cdc sending stuff out and it's updated every day and things change and direction well, is tough it was kind of um interesting when they started to work from home so admin at his hospital um to reduce exposure was working from home and it was like great we can have a great season we just you know pull two birds 
and he's home on conference calls in between calls and it, and it was really easy hacking birds um, and then all of a sudden uh, cases actually started showing up in Idaho in our section of Idaho prior to that we had nothing out here we all live socially isolated anyway so um, if we see 10 people a month we're pretty lucky yeah. like us personally you know actually interacting with 10 people but um, <laughs> once the cases started coming um, his phone started ringing more and getting called in and so some days you get all packed up ready to go fly and then um, nope, we got to take a detour to the hospital for a couple hours. And so that's been a little hard too, you know. Today's a perfect example. Loaded birds at nine, had the first bird in the air at noon. I mean, we, and we don't have much of a drive to get out on the desert and look for grouse. Um, and it was just like, had a call at 10. That led to another call at 11, led to, you know, that call at 1130 and then call my staff, sending out emails and, you know, pretty soon it's noon before we're getting birds up. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's difficult. I mean, it doesn't matter if your day's not, I mean, if, if, you, if, <laughs> if we, can you imagine if, um, if we were just on straight days right now, it'd be impossible to do anything like yeah. with, with this sport. Oh yeah. Like I, I know tons of guys that are, or, you know, nurses and stuff in general, working you know two or three extras so those three 12-hour shifts become four or five right. shifts a week and mm-hmm. you know doesn't leave yeah. much time to do anything right so. right well and his as much as i complain his schedule really is great for falconry because had he have an eight to five even you know with time change and it getting dark i don't i don't know how you would fly except on a weekend or days off yeah. so right and that's that's what the situation i was in before is you know, to get away in the evening and fly a few days a week is tough. And, you know, it gets dark at five o'clock and it's just not time in the day. Yeah. Well, what do you, what do you do during the day while he's gone then, Kelly? <laughs> aside from doing oh, nothing, aside from manage, you know, all this craziness around, around the uh, property. It is amazing. Like we've, <laughs> you really, you guys really do live out here in the middle of nowhere and you can just kind of stay away from civilization. And I know you have plenty here to keep yourselves busy. But, uh, I mean, is there any other stuff in particular that you're pursuing right now? I know you guys, you know, had the business for a bit that you, you know, recently sold, correct? Like- yeah, so I had Traditions Glove, and um, that was old Caleb's business. And then um, bought that, and um, it worked great out here because especially, you know, when – Brad worked I could work at nights and um, so I could work kind of when he was working Um, then once we had the baby um, things way slowed down and um, it was a little difficult to actually um, turn gloves out Um, so I pursued a couple people to buy it just because I wanted the gloves to continue getting made um, but production needed to get up Um, and so uh, Phil Clark was a buddy of mine. He bought it and um, came up and trained. And when we were talking, you know, the how the business runs, and he's like, "You really are going to sell it because you know you can do pretty good." And I said, "Yeah, I do great when I can, when I can, um, you know, sit down and actually sew." And uh, he came up to for three weeks to train in August. And um, I think after the second day, he realized how impossible it was to <laughs> sew gloves with a toddler. <laughs> um, and a lot of people are like, just put her in daycare. Well, 
we live in a town. We don't actually live in a town, but the closest town has 800 people. Yeah. There are no daycares out here. Um, even Brad's staff at the hospital, you know, if they have a child, they have to wait till a parent works opposite day. So a lot of his staff's um, parents or usually work at the hospital what in a different position or what, and everybody's swaps days of what day they're on so they can watch a kid for so-and-so and and it's like that throughout the town so to try to find um daycare gets difficult the reality is is we had her to enjoy raising her we um she is the last child she's number eight um i have four boys from my previous marriage brad has two boys and a girl and then we had her so um we're enjoying her gonna you know, raise her, um, enjoying falconry. She loves the birds. She loves the dogs. She has zero fear. Um, thankfully we have birds that have great manners. Um, when they're out on a kill, she can walk up. She keeps a safe distance. She's learned very well. And, um, the birds don't mind her. The dogs listen when she tells them place or sit or for the most part, if not, she gets pretty angry at them. But, um, <laughs> so just, just taking care of, you know, we have horses, the pigeons, the ducks, chickens the dogs we've got some goats um it's just a lot here and then the acreage but we also are in the middle of building a barn and um fixing up the place we bought this land very very cheap and it's a project within itself so yeah yeah i mean i don't know if you could if anybody or you guys picked up obviously the the sarcasm when i asked you know what do you do here during the day because (laughs) Man, I, I know I wouldn't be able to keep up with it. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, this this is definitely not a a lifestyle that would uh, that would mesh well with with my personality. But I think it's awesome what you guys have have managed to do out here. Because I mean, it it you guys are you're right. I mean, I've seen. I've seen prairie dog towns that have a bigger population than like where you guys live here. Um, it's it's funny. <laughs> it's, we'll get uh, some falconers. You know, they, everybody hears how great the grouse is up here, and um, people will come out and they're like, "Hey, can, you know, can you come take us hawking?" And um, they can usually do two days out here, and by that time, there's like, "Where's the coffee shop?" You know, there's no Trader <laughs> Joe's, there's no grocery stores. There's, you know, we have two restaurants, and it's the same thing every day, day in and day out. And um, but it's a lifestyle we. You know, we hawked out here, and this is always a dream to live close to hawking. Uh, we had some friends move out um, to the Blackfoot foot area, um, Jordan Turner, and uh, they had never seen a sage grouse. And they came out, and I took them on the desert, and uh, he t- he looked out. Well, actually, Taylor looked out the window, and she says, um, what's that big bird right there? And I said, well, that's a sage grouse. And, he, you know, they're like, wow, it's right there. And he looked down at his phone. He's like, we're three miles from your house. And I said, now you know why we live here. (laughs) So I will gladly give up the shopping. I'm not one of those girls that I hate shopping anyway. You know, to order my food and go pick it up works wonders for me. So, (laughs) and, you know, we don't eat out. It's kind of a luxury that we don't really like. So it works for us it does not work for a lot of people and there are a lot of times we get snowed in you've seen our driveway <laughs> yeah you know yeah for sure no it's i mean to each their own as as always and um yeah i mean i there's there's a part of me that thinks that um i mean i honestly i, I would love to have an, a property or a small place to live like this that i could come to off and on 
I know I wouldn't be able to live permanently on, on something like this, but I think it's cool visiting and getting to know people that like that because everybody's kind of got their own little routines and vibes and stuff that they, you know, and, and different ways of living. So, you know, I like variety. I mean, if everybody had the same types of, you know, people and friends sure. and family and stuff in their life, and that'd be pretty boring. And, so. and it, it is challenging. I mean, like the other night when we went over to Jeff and Lauren's, it was great to sit down and have a great dinner. But sure. the hour and a half drive home after, <laughs> you know, hanging out for the night um, gets a little tiring. Um, the other thing is the convenience, you know, um, something breaks here to go get parts. You know, if if they're even in town, you know, you've got a three-hour round trip just to, to go get a part. So um, there are its challenges. A lot of um, guys say they would like to live out here, but their wives... Not so much. I, no, not <laughs> at all. <laughs> it's tough to get physicians here. Um, yeah. All my nurses are local gals who have married a local boy because there's not, not people begging to go to Arco, Idaho. No, no. <laughs> I, I imagine not. I mean... And like I said, I mean, there's there's definitely a lot of things that are appealing to this area. Like, there's definitely things that I would really love about, you know, I love mountains. I love this type of scenery and stuff. I mean, I if it was possible um, for me to live out in this area, if, um, you know, if my wife would be all right with that, um, I would be living out, not he- like here, here, but close to around here in a heartbeat. Um but yeah, so no, it's been really nice, you know, seeing everything around, and and thank you guys again for for having me. Um, well, and it and it's like a work in progress. Uh, Jamaica and Greg Smith came out when we first bought the property, and um, they came out again. They try to come out every summer, but they came out again this last summer. Greg did. Um, Jamaica has been out without him, but he came out and he was like, wow like things have changed, you know, there's like things that are built and things have been, you know, when we first bought the property, we completely gutted the the house. And when um, Greg and Jamaica came, there was not even a kitchen, you know, we had just set one toilet in. And <laughs> so we lived pretty primitive for a while. And people were like, how do you deal with that? And I said, well, you got to see the big dream. And, um, you know, we're trying to do things without going in debt. So everything's paid with cash. And little bit as you go which you know has its own challenges and there's days that I'm like I think a loan on a house would have been much better and my sanity would have been there but um (laughs) then I remind myself why we're doing it and yeah so it works well certainly I mean certainly works for falconry I mean especially being around here you're in prime long wing country and it's it's really awesome but I mean so I mean growing up I mean as as life has evolved for the both of you how I mean, how has the initial interest in wanting to get into this and, you know, I mean, your your likes and dislikes changed over time. I mean, how did you all get into this? And, uh, you know, I, I don't really care which one of you starts, but <laughs> it looks like she's deferring to me. So yeah. Um, yeah. my interest initially, like elementary school, some falconers, I don't know who came to our elementary school. I was probably in third grade don't recall a whole lot of the little assembly they did but they flew a red tail from the back of the auditorium up over everybody's head onto the stage and i thought i've got to do that it was just kind of one of those passing things as a kid and then i was living on a bird farm at a buddy's place in my early 20s and patrick shane showed up he was 
flying a cast of Sharpshin Hawks at the time. He knocked on the door, asked if he could hawk around there. I said, well, I don't own the place, but I'll get you access to it if uh, you take me out. So went out with him for a while, and then I kind of got into it more and more and realized, I mean, like I said, my interest hasn't changed a ton because, yeah, I enjoyed the micros and I enjoyed the different things I saw, but I knew I always wanted to fly big long wings in open country. You know, I started going to sky trials in the late 90s, and, you know, I thought, you know, that was it. And so as soon as I had an opportunity to get out of Utah and move up here, I moved to the Idaho Falls area. Um, there was great sharp tail at the time. Um, that's kind of gone away the, between the wind farms and the loss of all the CRP in that area. Um, sharp tail numbers in the Huns along that bench have just been decimated. Um and but there's still good huns over in that valley um if you know where where to hawk uh, you're not going to show up and do it in a year or two you're, it takes years to figure it out mm-hmm. um and then you know sh- sage grouse weren't that far of a drive but being a nurse and being able to work wherever in the country i want to work sure i thought you know let's go out there we don't know how long we're going to be able to hawk sage grouse but i thought you know let's go out there and see what we can do and we've been out here three years um we moved out here right after both of us uh divorced and you know it's been great um you know i've 20 years of flying long wings i haven't had better opportunity um like i said this season's been tough the last couple of years have been tough i've kelly's kind of like got that love of falcons that like you and so we've been doing imprints and IS birds and stuff, and I've always flown passenger birds till now. Yeah. And it's it's different. Uh, there's it's different getting them started and going. Passage bird, get them to like me enough that I can get to them, fly them. You know. Um, sure. Whereas now we're teaching them pitch, teaching them how to kill, teaching them you know just like everything. Yeah. Um, you know, and and you saw. I mean, I've flown mostly passage uh prairie falcons and you saw over the last few days you'd, you'd seen one prior to coming here i don't know how many you ended up seeing yeah i've only i've you know i've i've not gotten much of a chance to do hardly any you know trapping for bigger long wings you know i'm based out of the midwest and they we obviously don't get those where you know where i'm at very very often you'll see them there's parts of southern indiana that you'll see them migrate through or come and hang out every so often um but um aside from doing some you know just casual trapping with other friends um yeah this was the first time that you know i've seen an area that's had this many prairies in one you know one kind of general area yeah so and you know we were over across the desert mostly trapping and uh, it's nothing you know if you had if you went out to find a few passage birds in the day i i've become a lot more picky than you know the first bird i trapped first bird i trapped was about 20 years ago um i trapped a um Oh, about Thanksgiving time, I trapped a passage female, and I took months to get her going um, and get her off of Creonson flying. Now, if I don't have them off and off Creonson flying within 
you know, less than a month, I'm cutting the bird loose. Yeah. I'm not going to waste my time. Um, if they dislike me, usually I can tell them. Usually I find out what they're like before I even trap them. And then, um, you know, once I know what they're like and I trap them, if they're, if they're still kind of nasty to me, I'll just cut them loose. It's not worth my time. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of guys that are like that. And I think that's part of the, uh, you know, with experience and time comes wisdom yeah. <laughs> aspects of it. Something that, uh, you know, seems obvious, but, you know. Um, that's, like, harder th- said than done, though, because a bird in the hand right. sometimes is like, well. And I used to be like that as well, but living out here, we have prairies, like, every other pole. Well, sh- yeah. And, I mean- and we have get them that come in and fly the pigeon loft, and um, a lot of times we'll get one that'll consistently juvenile that'll come and we'll flush for it and... It's like, oh, I kind of like that bird. No, I don't kind of like that bird, you know. And so, like I said, or like Brad said, you can kind of tell what they're like, you know, by tossing pigeons or just watching their flight style, uh, which is a little different than some places where you live and there's not the birds. You just trap whatever you can just to fly. So. And I used to drive around with a crate after I'd get done flying and have a crate full of pigeons and just go find prairie falcons and toss pigeons for them you know yeah just to watch them fly and so you know that helps you develop an eye for what you want to see and you know um i've tossed thousands of pigeons for hundreds of prairies and you know i pretty much know what i'm going to keep haven't flown a prairie for a few years um at least not well we did trap one last year two years ago whatever it was last year um but uh we didn't end up getting it going um, very good and cut it loose. <laughs> I mean, it's just one of those things. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, now with the three birds, that's that's another thing I dislike about the whole IS imprint stuff is we got three birds we're kind of stuck with till we figure them out and get them going. Right. Um, you're tired and, of them. You can't just turn yeah, them loose. You can't just yeah. go toss them free. So I think I think my next bird, I'm keeping my eye out she's looking at me going no, no. but <laughs> i i i really consider in uh trapping a passage deer yeah and trying that for the next bird on the catch yeah like other, other last, she's got this little sharpie sitting here next to us that's uh, like, <laughs> like last year we were driving down the road and uh, we just got done flying and brad's like oh do you see that and it was a falcon and we got up to it and i'm like or he says look it's a jeer and it, it was I, you know, whether it was juvenile i don't know because i was driving kind of fast and i continued to drive fast and and then he stopped and it's like you really aren't going to stop and like go throw a trap out so by <laughs> the time i stopped and turned around it, it was down going towards the river bank or down toward the river bottoms which you can't get yeah. to very easily but yeah yeah I, well. we also didn't need another bird so <laughs> i wasn't gonna slow down <laughs> right yeah I, I know that was uh that was strategic yeah for sure but yeah no it's like i said i mean there's obviously guys like me you know granted it where i live is not the best place to to try long wings i mean i, I think that it, it can be done within reason and within reasonable expectations but someone like me who doesn't have access to prairies within you know, X amount, just a half hour to 45 minute drive or whatever. I mean, it would be more inclined to try and deal with the quote unquote bottom of the barrel, yeah. <laughs> you know, something that, that hates you. You know, you, you, you kind of almost don't have a choice, but to try and exercise a little bit more patience 
Whereas, you know, think you know, species like red tails, you know, there's no reason to hold on to a red tail, for example, that is exhibiting those types of behaviors because you can usually get red tails in abundance almost anywhere. Yeah. I mean, it just depends on, I guess, your outlook and, and you know, your patience level and how long you, you've been doing it and decide you want to deal with that stuff. But, but yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's, 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 a tough, it's a tough thing. It is. And, you know, having access to them, like I said, I, I, nowadays I wouldn't even trap one unless I'd watched it fly usually several days, mm-hmm. tossed, you know, a couple dozen pigeons under it, see what it's wanting to fly like. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the best bird I ever trapped as far as getting it going quick, I trapped it on a Sunday and flew the next Saturday on game. Yeah. Like, was, was that the one you were telling me about the other day that you had been basically yeah, tossing I went, it? Yeah, I'd gone out for three, Trying to condition it? Yeah, for three weeks I'd been going out tossing at pigeons. I mean, when they set up their wintering territories, they'll stay pretty close to a, a pole, you know. And I was going out and tossing pigeons for it for a few weeks, and finally it's like, yeah, I'm going to trap it. So I had tossed it a few pigeons. It was about 500 feet overhead waiting on, and I tossed it a sealed bird and it, on a drag line. It came down and killed it. I just walked over, bumped it off, put a news carpet over it, and took it home. It ate as soon as I got home. The next day I put it on a creance, called it to live lure, did that a couple days, and then flew it free and the next weekend i was like i'm gonna go fly it you know see what i can do mm-hmm. I'd, I'd flown it and usually i'll you know put them on something fly them towards me and get them going to pigeons for a while and i just went out and it mounted up to 300 feet and i flushed under it and you know i started going i did not ever get that bird going very high though i think i Probably should have worked on pitch, but, you know, early on, pitch wasn't near as important to me. It's still not my biggest thing, but, you know, we all want our bird stooping from 1,000-plus feet. Yeah. So. No, well, around here, you would, you know, especially. Yeah. You know, around where I'm at, you know, 1,000 feet, it'd be, you know, whatever you'd be chasing, be off into, into cover in the next pond or whatever the case may be again. Yeah. So, but... Well, you'll catch a lot more partridge at uh, three or four hundred feet than you ever will at eight hundred feet. Uh, yeah, partridge well, won't look know. as fancy though, right? Yeah, Par- <laughs> partridge are fun to fly, but you know they're not for a high flying game hawk. Um, you get them in the sage; they're super ratty. You get them out in the open; they're going to make it, still make it to cover pretty quick. And so, if you're flying a bird at eight hundred, a thousand feet, you're not going to catch many, but yeah. you'll see some fun flights. Yeah. Well, I mean, what's uh, what's your fancy these days, Kelly? I mean, and you know, you, I guess it's it might as well start off with your story since you already you know punted the ball to to him as far as kind of what got you into stuff, and just go ahead and you know start from the beginning on your end too, and and what brought you to this point. Yeah, so I d- I didn't have like anybody at s- school come show me. Um, I kind of grew up military. We moved quite a bit. Uh, my dad was in intelligence. Um, And when he got out of the military, we continued to move like we still were in the military. Um, But nature was always important in uh, my family. My dad hunted and fished and um, probably raised me like I was, you know, a little boy and um, hunted and fished right alongside him and um, always had a fascination with birds of prey, Um, always sat and watched them hunt and um, always said from a little kid I was gonna have one one day 
And a lot of people were like, for a pet? And I'm like, no, to hunt with. You know, I didn't even know falconry existed. I didn't know that that was a thing, but I always just thought it looked neat. So um, lived in Montana, uh, lived all over the United States, but was living in Montana. And um, Montana's a little harder to get into, at least from what I was told, because you have to have a sponsor that has to be within so many miles, and their sponsors, um, their... Um, a sponsor can only have so many apprentices at a time, and, and Montana's pretty spread out, and um, I got a puppy <laughs> crying in the background. Sorry, guys. It's all good. Um, um, and so just kind of something I didn't, didn't really pursue. Um, I also had four little kids, so knowing with my kids... It's probably not something I was going to easily tackle. I'm not one of those that takes something on and just does a, you know, half halfway job. You know, I put 100% into it, probably, especially a hobby, probably 1,000% and neglect other things in life. Um, my dad was um, hunting elk um, back in 2001, and um, he was actually killed by grizzly bears. Um, they were having some problems, and still grizzly bears are pretty con controversial wow. and um Jeez. you know whatever your take is is your take but um um dinner bell effect is a pretty big thing um he had drawn kind of an elusive uh, cow tag on a game range area and this game range has houses on it and so it's not like it's like heavy woods um where he was killed is actually an old hay meadow and you can see the highway with the cars on it mm-hmm. you know so fact that a bear came right there um but there was some circumstance to fishing game federal fishing game was feeding the bears there because they wanted them to be healthy um regardless of the fact that there was humans interesting in the area well that's that's crazy yeah so um long story short um my children who were young at the time were scared to death to go in the wilderness so they were scared to go hiking um and especially hunting um and I, and I think part of that is being little, you know, everything's bigger than reality, you know. So the fact that he got killed elk hunting, you know, there was a lot of things that added up to that. It was, you know, he could have hit the lottery like 10 times, probably better odds than than getting killed by a grizzly bear. But, um, and so I wanted something to teach my kids hunting in a way that um, was safe and um I'm going to be honest, like going out and shooting a gun with, um, bears was not, you know, high on my priority because I didn't need anything to bring them in. Um, and so I had uh, moved to Washington and, um, actually met some falconers there. Um, we did some rehab, some education and, um, falconry. My one son, Orion, um, said, well, if you're going to get a bird, I'm going to get one too. Like you can't (laughs) just have one bird in the house. And um, so it was nice having one of my sons that did it. My other three sons never became falconers. They said it was way too much work and too much commitment. They would just rather come out for the cool parts of the hunt and not have the responsibility. So um, they absolutely love it, um, but love it from a distance. Uh, One of my sons kind of slept, breathed, and ate it, you know, or ate it. And uh, so that's how... that's how it happened and and it worked out great um all my kids you know still love the outdoors and they're not necessarily afraid they take a little precautions you know but um 
that's great. So yeah, well, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, I at least you had one that was into it because my son could care less. I mean, there, there's, <laughs> there's, I mean, there's, there's a lot of times where I wish that uh, that he would have been more into it. Um, you know, basically the, the the main interest he and I share for the most part is video games and stuff. I mean, there's there's been a lot of times where I wish that he would have been more willing to come out in the field but it's great but it can get a little expensive i'm sure right so (laughs) you know you've got double the food um which which is pretty good but then um his drive for hunting um his freshman year in high school um he had tested out of high school but washington didn't want him to graduate that early because they would lose funding so he did online school um, for another school district and um, in 20 days finished his whole freshman year so he's like, I got, and they wouldn't let him then do start his sophomore year. And so he's like, I got the whole year to hunt. And we hunted every day. And everybody's like, you know, does he not go to school? You know, so um, <laughs> the drive for him to push me to hunt every day, there was like, you know, many times that like Thanksgiving's coming. Um, my Thanksgiving shopping to cook wasn't even done because we had been out hawking. And so, like I said, my hobby kind of became an addiction and like all of us, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but, but it was fun to share that with him and I went to a lot of meets together. Um, and actually, um, when we met Brad, we had moved out to Idaho and, um, went flying with Stephen Buffett and Brad and, um, Oh, my son Orion actually became good friends with Brad, and which is funny. My son's got like an old soul, and all of his friends are my age and older. <laughs> um, and all the boys have always teased him. You know, you don't even have friends your own age. Um, so if you ever meet him, you'll totally understand. And he's weird, you know, that way. But um, when Brad and I started dating, Brad's like, I, I think I've got to call your son and ask permission to date like my buddy's mom, you know, and I said, wait a second, that sounds really morbid. (laughs) But, um, so, you know, falconry has been great for that, for me at least. Um, it was nice when my kids were younger, I could fly, you know, we flew a cast of Harris Hawks and the little kids could, um, and I, I mean like nine, 10, um, could come out in the field and they would go through junk piles as we found them and pick up neat rocks. And so it was something that we got to spend, I got to spend time with my boys, enjoying something i liked so yeah no that's cool no that's awesome like i said i i wish that uh i would have had that built in uh you know the built-in brush beater factor you know well <laughs> and and out here when i moved here um everybody flew long wings you know they teased me about being a harris hawker you know you dirt hawking doesn't exist out here and mm-hmm. and uh so we would go flying and uh brad max was what about 10 years old maybe yeah 10 or 11 um, and then Stephen Buffett had a son that's even younger than that. But we would go on the big desert, and, you know, dogs are out. And we would hawk for a while and then stop and maybe eat lunch and then get back in the trucks. And, we, you know, there was always two or three trucks following along. And in the afternoon, we would all get all the adults get in the passenger seats and the kids would get to drive. And, you know, the rule is don't run a dog over. If a dog goes on point, you let us know. But, you know, the the GPS the Garmin system, you know, will beep and let you know, but, um, and you can't run into each other, you know, no, no wrecking vehicles. <laughs> and the kids loved it, you know, from a young age, they got to come out and drive for a couple hours on the desert and, you know, we're going pretty slow, but, um, that doesn't happen in every community in every state. So, right. 
No, obviously not. <laughs> yeah, so even the boys it's that different. didn't like falconry, they'd like to come along because they got to, to drive. Yeah, a little hidden incentive. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, no, that's cool. I mean, so ultimately, what uh, what are you guys' um, – you know, what do you think you guys will continue? I mean, obviously you got these, you got these peregrines that you're trying to get going and now you're kind of having to change your, your course of action with, with how you're wanting to fly them. But I mean, what are your, your goals you think for, I mean, aside from finishing your, your house and, and uh, everything else that you have going on out here, I mean, what are your what are your goals for the next few years with with birds? I mean, are you just going to continue to try and do the uh, the peregrine and the the long wing thing, or is there anything else that uh, you guys wish that you could do that you aren't doing right now? Or well, I think I I definitely will always fly long wings, um, big long wings on. I mean, it ends up being grouse, ducks, you know, whatever. Um, that that's kind of my thing. Every once in a while, I'll get a wild hair up and just like i've i've done an imprint um goshawk played with some imprint cooper's hawks play with other micros it's fun but it's not it's not ever going to be my primary thing um Mm -hmm. the big long wings are what i really enjoy um yeah this year we bought uh i always said i was never going to get a a camper you know an rv camper and a camp trailer and um now you've got big orange sitting out we in the driveway. got big huge bright <laughs> orange um after camping this year with the baby and um i'm i'm awesome to sleep in a tent you know like total minimalist um she can go in and out of that zipper pretty quick and um, has no fear very independent so to walk through the sea of sage that's like you know her home and um so we ended up with this, and, and my plan, you know, as long as work work allows it, um, do a couple trips a year, uh, maybe go down to Arizona, do some quail hawking. Um, there's a couple different states I'd like to do, you know, now and again. Montana, you know, that's my hometown or home state, so always continue to go up there and do some pheasants and sharp tail. And um, so hopefully, you know, get the peregrines completely you know lay that foundation out this year continue to fly them i would really like a made bird and i say this all the time made bird that i just fly for years and i'm going to be honest with you i make a bird fly it for two or three years and then it becomes not a challenge yeah and i end up like you need to move on to something else sending it to somebody and starting over and then banging my head against the wall like what am i doing (laughs) because i forget how uh hard it is but I don't know. We got this little Sharpie a couple days ago, and um, for a passage of Sipiter, she's actually coming along great. You yeah, know, we'll do a pretty, pretty well mannered for for that type of bird. Yeah, we'll do a um, baggy with her and see how that works, and see if we can get her going just to add a little bit of an excitement of car hawking in between flying the the big birds, and uh, you know, honestly, Merlin's to me have my heart there's something about a merlin that you know you take this wild bird that's full of spit and vinegar and they become so puppy dog tame and just like play the game so well um my last merlin gosh i flew her in one day we did three different slips she killed three different times and she doesn't even make in she would just wait for me and as soon as i'd come around you know the calving stall or the 
the shed with the cows at the dairies, um, she'd start talking like, I'm right here, I'm right here, and try to drag her (laughs) starling, you know. And then she would go home and sit on her perch and eat her meal and share with the dogs and just the funnest little tame bird. Um, And every time I get a good one, I end up letting it go in the spring. And um, problem is I just don't have the game out here. Mm-hmm. which is kind of heartbreaking you know we like i said live in that big falcon country yeah yeah well and and uh you know once again it's it might be difficult for everyone you know listening you know think well starlings are everywhere well you know you guys <laughs> once again it, it i can understand how it wouldn't be quite as cool to to have a micro like that where starlings normally are everywhere for example or you know whatever you're wanting to hunt but it's literally an hour, hour and a half drive to wherever, just for, you know, a quick, <laughs> a quick Merlin slip. And then you're, and you're done. You know? Well, it's so. also, she, she had some of the best starling flights, you know, and opportunity to fly on big dairies with thousands of starlings. Mm-hmm, right. And to get them lift up and fly good like that. It was, it was something pretty fun to watch. Um, yeah, I watched I pro- it a few times and it's, it's fun. I probably got spoiled. I uh, trapped my first Merlin and, um, Joe Wilkin has been a great friend of ours, and, um, you know, I heard about Jeremy Bradshaw, never met him, never really talked to him. Um, I knew he wrote a book, um, ordered the book from him, and um, asked him to overnight it so I could at least have some kind of knowledge of what I was doing, even though it wasn't my first bird, you know. Mm -hmm. But I just wanted to see what the experts say and, you know, different types of training. And... um, come to find out joe and jeremy are like best buds and so as much as i read the book i called them daily and they walked me through what i was doing and um the bird was on the wing in a couple weeks and never looked back i mean the bird my best one um flocks of um, sparrows would get up and she ignored those because she wanted the big flocks of starlings and you know driving down the utah yeah that's a little it's a three-hour drive but mm-hmm. you know if you've ever been to the merlin meet um i have if you've ever been, been to the magic kingdom which they don't fly at anymore um that was phenomenal and just a great group of guys and i remember tyler Slade and i both started merlins and went to the merlin meet and jeremy pulled us aside and said you guys get the best slips and we were like yeah but we're completely newbies <laughs> so if that tells you what joe and jeremy are like you know they set that uh, meet up where the newbies get the prime best slips you know where you know you go to some of these other meets and it's all the old-time falconers that come and set the meet up and they got the splits slips and they don't uh, share um wasn't like that so the merlin meet truly was kind of a golden golden opportunity um so i don't know that anything can compare to that i don't know maybe when i kill my first grouse with a long wing i have not done that yet so maybe i'll change my mind yeah well how about you brad as far as as far as you know like uh i mean what what's 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 your next pinnacle goal like like Like, i said i think i think if i could say i have any goal that i really want to accomplish right now it's probably trapping a passage deer and flying it on grouse gotcha yeah well i mean that's uh it's always nice to set lofty goals and um you know you always got something to work towards and you know like i said i uh i'm hopeful like i said i'm i'm hopeful that that the world um sometime in the near future will will allow for 
for more of those, you know, little opportunities and, you know, ways to hopefully achieve those goals rather than, you know, having to just juggle constantly the, the chaos of everything that's going on. Someday but, we'll be retired and not have to work or win the lottery, you know, one of the two, but yeah, well, I highly doubt the lottery. I mean, I've been playing Powerball now with, uh, with a few nurses I used to work with, I don't know, for the last a few years, it um, seems. That's usually who wins it, that's though, is a group of nurses. That. Well, that's, that's <laughs> it, wave your magic wand in, man, because it's, uh, <laughs> it's not worked for us so far. And we've been, us uh, either. Yeah, we've been saying, you know, dancing every every uh, rain dance and, uh, you know, saying every prayer in the book to make it happen, and it ain't happened so far, so. <laughs> nope. But, uh, well, like I said, you know, it's, you guys, you guys have a really cool place out here, and, um, you know, I wish you guys the, uh, the best in, um, continuing to, you know, checking off all your, all your, your bucket list goals out here. You know, I mean, do you guys think you'll, you'll be here forever? Do you guys think you'll end up moving at some point? If, uh, I, I don't know. I'm, you know, we know grouse hawking is up in the air, especially here in Idaho. There's talk all the time about, you know, what the season looks like. Um, I like it here. But this is not a place to live if you didn't have that. I don't think you know it's right. It, we're super remote, and that's what there is. We have ducks until the second week of the season, and then mm-hmm. it's froze up and done. Um, and you know there are partridge and chucker here, but it's super tough. I mean, there's not they're not in good hawkable places. But we do love it here. I mean, the community's great, jobs great. Um, so we'll just see. I mean, time will tell. I've, I, I'll tell you, the housing market has taken a boom here. Has and, it, it uh, has in a lot of places that yes. the, the neighboring, the neighboring like uh, California, Oregon, you know, Washington the states. <laughs> yes, the the mass exodus has been going on now for for a little bit. So yeah, and as people move here, it, it, uh, I'll tell you what, I've been looking at other places and sending Brad some some little hints now and again like hey we could just finish this sell it and take all our money and disappear pretty much that's be what done, we did when we know? came here yeah we did <laughs> the, the goal was to disappear uh idle falls area there have been so many falconers moved there the last couple of years and and there it's it's not a great area and like i said it takes years to figure out what little there is there um and there's a lot of guys moving there and you know, we don't know. We've talked about it. And you're, where do you go? She doesn't want to ever go back to Montana, which I love Montana. And, um, hunting's uh, hard uh, in Montana. Like, there's not a lot of public ground. There is some public ground or, or the ones that they're there. But more and more people from out of state are moving in and buying ranches and blocking access off. And, yeah. you know, I've got family up there that leases land in order to hunt. And, you know... I love Idaho for that. It's cheap to recreate. You know, there's a lot of campgrounds that are free. You don't get that in Montana. Um, there's a lot to do out here that's, you know, just open public. Um, I, I love Utah for the beauty of it. I can't stand the people. And not that the people are bad, but, you know, you have to understand, like... It's a different mentality. You don't see cars on the road out here, mm-hmm. especially from my house. You don't see a road. You hate the, the abundance, the abundance of people. Yeah. I know you, to, you told me you don't like living in big cities anyway. Yeah. No, I and, and I grew up outside of Cleveland for a while. So, I, yeah. you know, I was used to to traffic. And, and I love parts of, of Ohio for that. And um, But 
I also lived in a small town, Fairport Harbor, which is a, a little harbor town and a couple hundred people in there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you know, a different so, vibe. And so. I, I grew up in Utah County where at the time I like literally, I bought my first bird dog when I was 13 and I, I walked across the street from my house and loaded my gun and hunted. Yeah. And now there's, I mean, Utah County is just nothing but people. Yeah. Um, my sister just bought a house down on the south end of the county. Back when I left 20-plus years ago, there was nothing down there. And now there's subdivisions of people that just stacked on top of each other. And, you know, I, <laughs> to compare the, what they're at on fifth-acre lots to us living on 43 acres, and we're surrounded by thousands of acres of farm ground, the nearest neighbor's half mile away, you know. Mm-hmm. I just, I could never go back to that. Um, yeah, so with that being said is, and, and and ARCA will never be like a part of Idaho Falls. You know, people are like, oh, Idaho Falls will grow out there. And, you know, what people don't understand is in the middle of us is all government land mm-hmm. that's blocked off. So it, it will never get incorporated or it'll never grow out that far. But with people coming here, because they are coming, um, and they're coming to escape people, but where do you go next? Yeah. You know, well, so. I mean, we, we just keep, you know, our population just keeps growing. You know, yes. it, it is what it is. But, yeah, I mean, it's, um, like I said, enjoy it while you, while you can. You know, I mean, I guess that's all we can really do, right? We can't control how many more people appear in the world. And, well, and uh, there's people <laughs> that want to move here all the time. I get calls from Falconers. Hey, we, we you know, we're looking to, to move to Idaho. And, you know, what do you have in your town? And I'm like, what are you doing for work? Because, we have the hospital with the school district or you work for the government site, Idaho national laboratory, or you're driving two hours, you know? Right. Yeah. And so, and the winter that, that highway is treacherous, you know, a Uh lot of times it's shut down, but, um, well, the spring and fall is kind of bad too. And that brings another, um, problem with the elk, you know, you're dodging elk on the road. Uh Yeah. I hate Um, driving across the desert and I mean, there are thousands of, thousands of elk out there. Yeah. So drive across and after dark, it's a treacherous adventure. Yeah, I'm sure. So I'm sure. So. Well, well, I mean, like I said, guys, it's it's been awesome. You know, um, you know, thank you again for having me the last few days. It's been fun. Um, I guess we can go ahead and uh, you know wrap this up, and you guys can take care of the uh, the whining pup, and you know, <laughs> unless you know, like I said, we can we can. Uh, it's it's funny like the the kitchen here is is like its own ecosystem in and of itself you know we've got pups we've got talking birds we've got fish splashing and fish tanks and all kinds uh, yeah, of stuff got going two on, fish so. fighting over there yes yeah. it is uh yeah i like we like animals and you know um my ex-husband not saying anything bad about him but um you know he he wants through you know if you bring home another animal you know we're getting divorced yeah, and, i've got the opposite of that and um, <laughs> with Brad, it's like I can't hint that I want anything because if I hint it, it's here mm-hmm. or it's on order. You know, he'll find a breeder or. <laughs> and so, hence, we've got this pup. And um, the the pup is one of seven dogs. <laughs> so <laughs> one dog is the Great Pyrenees. He's the livestock guard dog. He doesn't count. He's a worker. <laughs> the rest well, of them are workers. Yeah, I was going to say. They are workers in a different sense. Those ones actually are like, I don't. If you ever have a Pyrenees, they are. Some people say they're the best loving dogs. Like 
mine loves us, but it's like, I got work to do. There's coyotes, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. well, I mean, that's, that sounds like, um, the natural, uh, defense of a dog lover, you know, talking, you know, it's just the, well, you know, yeah. When's the work? What's one well, more? Well, technically, yeah, technically they're all workers and you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's just, uh, there's all kinds of built in excuses for animals and dog lovers, but, but we actually told each other no the other night, no more. Uh huh. See how for long a while. Lasts. <laughs> no, it's a no for a while. Yeah. This yeah. pup has reminded us. Yeah. Kind of like having a child in your forties. Right. That yeah. will remind you why you didn't do it. To begin years with. Ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, fair enough. Well, like I said, you know, we're actually, uh, you know, good, good stopping point almost at an hour already. I told you guys to go fast. So yeah. Yeah, it did. Yeah. No, it was, um, like I said, it's been fun. Thank you again very much for, for the hospitality and the hosting. Well, you'll have and, to uh, keep coming out and seeing the progress, but also hopefully the birds are progressing and yeah. Yeah. Well, in the meantime, you guys, you know, we'll have, uh, phones pictures i'm sure we'll we'll figure things out and stay in touch so but uh thank you again for for doing this too and um yeah so we guess we'll um yeah finish up our our duties for the evening and uh go our separate ways tomorrow but you know thanks again and uh yeah we'll talk soon all right here all right later guys